Some call it Easter Sunday, but I like to say he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Who was here Friday night? Man, Friday night service was fantastic. It was, it was, it was, it was deep. Man, I just felt God moving in the room. We had a salvation that night. Um, we partook in the Last Supper like the Last Supper. It was, it was great. It was great. And I love, I love this church. I love what I see God doing in this church. Amen. You are the church. We are the church. God just gave us this building to hang out, but this is... This is where we choose to make him Lord of our life. On a weekly basis, we make that public announcement that Jesus is Lord of my life when I wake up, when my alarm goes off, and I don't want to, and I go to church. It's like easy. You ever try to talk to somebody about Jesus? That's tough. You ever try to lead somebody to Jesus who doesn't know Jesus, and you want to lead them in the sinner's prayer? That's tough. It's easier to just show up on Sunday. Is it not? Well, what's easier? Lead someone to Christ, tell them about Jesus, no matter how they might ridicule you, mock you, and want to crucify you like they did to him 2,000 years ago? What's easier? Or would it just be easier to show up to church on Sunday? I think it would be easier to just show up on church on Sunday. So that's a really easy way to say publicly that I make Jesus Lord of my life. But some of us only do it twice a year. We make Jesus Lord of our life two times a year. Our CEOs. I was a CEO at one time. CEO Christian. Christmas and Easter only. Christmas and Easter only. Man, I was. There was a time I was like, I, I knew God. I believed in his word, and if, the, and if I had gone home to be with the Lord, I would have skated across the finish line, but he wouldn't have said, well done, good and faithful servant. He would have just said, we're glad you made it. <laughs> right? Man, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Man, Friday night, we talked about those sinners on the cross. We talked about, we talked about a lot. We talked about... We talked about which one are you. That was what I asked you. I sent you all home. I ruined your whole Easter weekend. I made you all feel like one of the people who basically shamed Jesus in some way. Sorry. Not sorry. You know, I said, which one are you? Were you one of his disciples who fled? Were you one of the soldiers who mocked him from the ground? Were you the soldier who told him to save? Were you the criminal who told him to save himself? Or were you the criminal who said, I believe you are who you say you are, and I want to be with you today? Remember me when you get to paradise. Remember me when you get to heaven. And what did Jesus tell that one guy who did not pray the sinner's prayer? He was not baptized in water. He was up on a cross dying for his crimes. He knew he deserved to be there. And he didn't go through any of the political ritual things that we do, that we think we have to do as believers. And what did Jesus say to him? Today you will be with me in paradise. Amen? Where do you want to be today if Christ comes? 
Paradise, man, I love that answer. You know, I thought about this weekend, and I thought about what we talked about on, on Friday night, and which one are you? Which one are you? And then I thought about Peter. Peter was Jesus' right-hand man. He was Jesus' best friend. Whoa. Woo! Yeah, man, Peter did him dirty that night. He denied him. That'd be like standing in line at Starbucks waiting to get something, and your wife be like, I've never seen that man before in my life. That man that's embarrassing us, I've never seen him before. Ma'am, is this your husband's name on the cup? I've never heard of the guy. Ma'am, the disruptive customer over there. I said I never knew him. Peter denied him. How do you think Peter felt this whole weekend? I think Peter felt really bad. I bet you Peter was beating himself up like we do. I bet you Peter was being human like you do. Right? How about the other disciples? This weekend must have been really tough on the other disciples, yes? Let's look at one disciple, Judas Iscariot. He died. He betrayed Judas and died. Tough weekend for that guy. Out of 12, who do you think felt the worst? Him. Anybody here betrayed Jesus ever? Oh, I'm going to ask you again. Anybody here Petered Jesus? When you were sitting in a conversation seven years ago in a weird situation that you didn't want to be in, and somebody asked you about if you knew God and you could tell that the conversation was going to go south if you said yes, and you were like, oh, no, no, I don't do that church stuff. Ever been there? I have. And it feels like Peter. You're like, man, I just denied Christ in front of that person. And there's a scripture that says, if you deny me before people, I'll deny you in front of my father. I'm done. Don't smite me today. Right? This entire weekend must have been really hard for the women who followed Jesus. Right? The women followed Jesus. They served him with their heart. They loved Jesus. Right? And Jesus, their friend, Jesus who told Mary Magdalene basically that she was going to be clean and forgiven, those women, he was dead, murdered, crucified on the cross. It must have been a tough weekend. Right? How about this one? This weekend must have been really hard on the multitude of followers. Right? There's people who have been following Jesus since he started preaching. There are people who have been listening to Jesus since he taught the Beatitudes. There are people who have been following Jesus for some time. Not only the 12, there were others following him around, right? You got all these people. They've been listening to everything Jesus has said. They've been watching Jesus perform miracles, right? They were there on Palm Sunday with their palms. Praise God, the King comes, our Savior is coming, the Messiah is here. Hosanna! Right? Those people 
watched the man that they believed to be their only hope die on the cross. How about the people who were healed by Jesus? What about those people that started following him? What do you think they felt? Boy, I really thought he was God, man. He healed my leg. He healed me. I was blind. I had demons in me. I was possessed. I totally believed that guy was God, and then I watched him die. God can't die. The Savior's not supposed to die. I don't understand the scriptures. I didn't get to go to church every Sunday and listen to somebody teach me about it. They were poor and uneducated. They didn't get to go to temple like we do. Okay? Most people probably couldn't even read. This weekend was hard on everybody who believed Jesus was who he said he was. Because now they're filled with doubt. Yeah? You ever doubt? You doubt this? You're here today, so that's a good sign that you either believe or you want to believe. Right? That's a good sign. And if I see you here quite occasionally, it's usually a good sign that you're saying you want Jesus to be Lord of your life. You're fellowshipping with other believers, partaking in the Lord's Supper, singing praise and worship to him. I bet you this entire weekend was hard on some of you when I sent you home Friday night wondering which one are you. Anybody go home and at any time this weekend ask yourself, which one am I? Amen. Oh, we will today, too. I got another which one are you. It's like a clue game for kids, but I'm doing it for the adults. What did Jesus do today? Today he proved who he said he was. Today Jesus proved that he was who he said he was. He rose from the grave and completed the task. He buried sin. He defeated sin and he conquered the grave. Amen? Amen. He forgave you and me and Elena and Mike and all the rest of you. He forgave you for all of your current, past, present, future transgressions and iniquities. Everywhere where you're going to fall short, he forgave it. He stood in its place in the day of judgment. And all you got to do is believe. So I see you here today because you want to believe. I want to believe. What was he given after this? He was given all. He was given, I read it somewhere. He was given most authority in heaven and on earth after that. All. You guys know I like my OSHA thing. Words like must, shall. The word all, we all know what all means, right? It means all. Everything. Toto. It means toto. Y punto? Okay. For those of you who don't know Spanish, that meant period. 
That's a, that's a Spanish mother thing, so my wife says. That's how, their mom, that's how their mom got the message across. This is the way it is, y punto. Am I right, bro? All right. No. Okay, I have this question for you, though. And I have this question for the disciples. I have this question for the believers. All the multitudes of followers, everybody, everybody sitting in this room today, I have this question for you. What now? What now? What now? What happens now? We've been waiting a long time for a Savior. A long time. Our people have had a lot of prophets tell us the Savior was coming. Okay, he came. And he performed miracles. And everything that was prophesied about him, including him rising from the grave, happened. But I'm still here. So what happens now? Everyone who believed and encountered the risen Christ must have asked themselves this question. What happens now? Right? Isn't that what you would wonder? What happens now? Well, today I'm going to ask you the same thing with today's message that I asked you on Friday. Which one are you? Which one are you? We're going to read from John 20, if anybody brought their Bible. Oh, uh, Dale has a handout. If anybody didn't grab a, fill, a handout to fill in and you would like to, no pressure. You don't want to take notes? No one cares. Your photographic memory like me, I get it. Anybody that wants to take notes or follow along and fill in the blanks for fun, we'll hand those out. And just so you know, if you didn't bring your Bible and you can't read the screen up above, I did it in fine print on that sheet being handed out right now. Is everybody got Easter plans today? Am I holding you up? Dinner, food, Easter egg hunt, kids' activities, something. You got something going on? Perfect. Good, then I can go long. I don't want to go long. I want to go home too. If you go long, you have to go see Gregory. Up there you go. Okay. We're going to read from John chapter 20. Verse 1, starting at verse 1. We're going to read a few. We're going to read a lot here. I like to read a lot. I like to. Pastor Mark always tells me, go teach a fine Bible message. So I like to read a lot of Bible so that I make sure we stay on a message. John 21, early on Sunday morning. All right, I had to stop myself. You guys know how I do this. I am the kind of pastor that likes to teach, preach. So I like to read something and stop and get it into your head what you just missed. What do you mean? You'll see. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, the disciples came to the tomb. Oh, it doesn't say that. No, they were chilling somewhere. The 11. They were hiding. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, 
Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She casually walked. Oh, she ran. She ran. She ran and she found who? Jesus' best friend. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Most likely the one who wrote this book, John. Non-essential. You guys know my essential, non-essential. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple started out to the tomb. They were both walking. Oh, they were running. I don't know how far this tomb is, and I don't know how many people here have tried to get in shape and taken a jog around your block, but there's a difference between jogging, speed walking, and running, and there's also a difference of running in sandals without paved surfaces and running great distance. So these people were astronomical ultramarathon runners back in these days. Okay? My dad's a, 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 an ultramarathon runner, ran 100 miles. It's crazy. I could never imagine doing that. So they were both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. But he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. He believed. You know that these guys spent three years with Jesus? He taught them everything he could about the scripture from the knowledge of God himself. He didn't teach them scripture based off his interpretation of it. He taught them scripture of what it said. And at three years into their journey, I don't know how long you've been coming to this church, and I don't know how long you've been going to any church, and I don't know how many pastors you've listened to their opinion. But they didn't click. You get it? What Jesus was teaching them still had not clicked until this moment. They've watched this guy walk on water. They've watched this guy calm the sea. They've watched this guy cast out demons. They've watched this guy heal the blind and heal the lame. They have watched this man perform absolutely impossible miracles in front of their eyes. And he told them many times while explaining them the scripture that the Son of Man would be betrayed and that he was going to be crucified and that he was going to die. But it didn't click for them ever until this moment. Where are you? I get it, but I don't. I believe, but I doubt. I kind of understand. For they hadn't, for then they, for until then they still hadn't understood the scripture that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they 
went everywhere and told about Jesus. Oh, okay. Then they went to church, to the temple, to the synagogue to tell the leaders that Jesus was gone. Oh, they went home. Okay. So they leave, but Mary stays behind. Because you want to know what happened when they left? What would make you leave? Because you know what I would look at you and say? Well, what now? I don't know. Let's go home. Let's go. What happens now? I don't know. Let's go home. That's what I do when I'm done and I have nothing else on the plate. I'm like, let's go home. Where are you going to go when you have nothing to do? Home. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying and as she wept, she stooped and, let, and looked in. Now I like this part. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they have put him. It was still more important to Mary Magdalene that Jesus' body was missing, more so than the disciples who left and went home. And the angels didn't sit there and say, Peter and John, it's time for you guys to get on task. We've got work to do. Jesus is risen like he said. Let's get it on. No. They left and went home and didn't even experience this. Mary Magdalene experiences this. The sinner, the prostitute, not the fisherman. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked because they've taken away my Lord. She replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave. And saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Transfiguration much? Dear woman, why are you crying? Now isn't it amazing that Jesus didn't appear first to his disciples? The angels didn't appear to the disciples. And Jesus himself didn't appear to the disciples. He showed up to Mary first. I had to look at last year's message, make sure I wasn't going to preach the same thing, too. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Funny story about that. My great-grandmother, God rest her soul, she's in heaven waiting to, to, to see me one day. She was getting older, and her dementia had set in really well. And my grandpa went to visit with her, and... My grandpa's cousin was there in the house. So he shows up. She's in the house talking with my grandpa's cousin. And they go in. And my grandpa's like, oh, hey, so-and-so. And they're having this conversation forever. And then he's like, okay, well, I'll see you, Rod. I'll see you, Betty. And he leaves. And my grandma says, boy, you sure talked to him like you knew him. And he goes, mom, that's so-and-so. And she's like, oh, my goodness, I thought that was the gardener. This is a true story. <laughs> Love that story, man. So here's Mary Magdalene. She thought Jesus was the gardener too, but she doesn't have dementia. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary! Not Mary. My dear child. Mary with an exclamation point. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni! 
Rabbanai. I don't know how to say that word, but we're trying. Which is Hebrew for teacher. So when he called her name, like a shepherd calls his sheep, she recognized who he was. Do you understand that? By vision and sight, she didn't know who he was. But when he spoke out to her, she knew who he was. When he called her by name. Grab that from the story, guys. Probably read that a hundred times and never picked that up. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers. He didn't even call them friends. Go find my brothers. My brothers in arms. My 11 disciples. The men I've entrusted and prepared for today. Go and find them. And tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father. So who did Jesus say God was father to? You. Go and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father. To my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. At this point, what was their response? What would your response be? She's crazy. Peter and John were just there and said, he's gone. I believe Peter and John. I don't believe you. You got to read between the lines and, and put yourself in these stories. You really do. I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them this message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. The doors are locked. You're at home. You just turned on Netflix. And all of a sudden, Jesus is standing in the kitchen. That is the experience they had. Break it down. Live this. Make this your reality. Understand what's happening here. Because you read this, you're like, yeah, man, Jesus was just there. No, dude. All of a sudden, you're locked up, you're in your house, and Jesus is there. You're freaking out. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said as he spoke. He showed them his wounds in his hand and his side. They said, oh, we already heard. We already knew. Mary told us. No, that's not what it says. It says, they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Because now they believed. Peace be with you as the, fa as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is living amongst you if you believe in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has been breathed on you the moment you believed 
and made Jesus your Lord and Savior. And if you don't believe that, we'll pray the Holy Spirit over you and try to baptize you in fire 48 times till you start speaking in tongues. But it all happened the day you accepted. The only thing holding you back is you. Not what you didn't do. You did what you had to do. You believed. It says he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. That's a tough statement. Be mindful and watchful of how you judge. Be mindful and judge uh, be mindful and careful of how you judge non-believers. One of the 12 disciples, now, now this is the best part of the story. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. We're men of our words. Me and the other nine, because plus you is 11 and one is missing and dead. We and the other nine, we saw the Lord. Mary went to the tomb. She came and told us he was gone. The heavy stones rolled away. And then all of a sudden, you know, we were here and Jesus showed up. He showed us his hand and his side. He gave it, he, he blessed us with the Holy Spirit. He said he's going back to heaven. Everything he said came true. Thomas was like, right on. Yes. That's not what happened. They told him, we've seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. You doubt much, Thomas? The nine people told you they saw him and you don't believe him. Thomas, you've seen the miracles with your own eyes. We're telling you. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Now, this is my favorite part of the story. You ever wonder what God does and doesn't know? You know God knows everything, right? You know God knows everything? You know what he did when he showed up in that room? He didn't wait for anybody to ask him anything. He went right up to Thomas. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Do you believe? What do you believe? What do you believe? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Or is Jesus Lord of your life on Christmas and Easter only? The other 50 Sundays, you are Lord of your life. Lord of my life to watch football. Lord of my life to take the kids to T-ball because I couldn't got to make them pro so that I can retire at 42. So they'll buy me a house because I was super dad. Because they have a .008724% chance of making it to the major leagues. I'm going to make that more important in their life than Jesus. 
Who's Lord of your life? You want to know what Thomas's response was? I love Thomas's response. He called Jesus two things in that very moment. Pick that up. Remember this. He called Jesus two things in that very moment. He's called him my Lord and my what? My God. In that moment, he knew Jesus was more than just Jesus. In that moment, he knew who, God, who Jesus was. That Jesus was God. That Jesus was not just a man and Jesus was not just who he said he was. Jesus is God. He says, my Lord and my God. Can you imagine when you get to say that? What if Jesus met you in the street on your way home and showed you his hand and, his, and the hole in his side and said, touch it. Then he took a, a backwards moonwalk and just floated on the street and he's like, are you believing now? <laughs> What would you say to him? My Lord and my God. Is Jesus Lord of your life or is he just God of your life? He's got to be both. Do you get it? You can believe in God all year long, but is he Lord of your life? Boy, I haven't even got to the notes. This is cranking. Woo, fired up, guys. Come on now. Thomas exclaimed, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. This, you guys, is one of the most classic, I love to point out scriptures to people, okay? Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That is you. That is all of you and me. Thomas, you believe because you have seen me, but blessed are going to be those who believe without seeing me. That is all of you. I want to be blessed. It says the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Life by the power of his name. When Jesus left the earth, he told everybody to do one thing. Go to all the corners of the earth and tell everyone the good news. That would make all of us what? Evangelists? Mary Magdalene was the first evangelist. Not Simon Peter. And not the one whom Jesus loved. A woman. Respect and love your wives. Respect and give the woman in your life her place because she was the first evangelist, not you. <laughs> Mary Magdalene was the first evangelist. She's the one who the angels showed herself. She's the one who Jesus revealed himself. And she's the one who he sent to go and tell. And she walked back, right? She ran to tell them the good news. Mary Magdalene was the first evangelist. I love that. She privately went to seek him out before the day began. She didn't talk to nobody. She didn't invite the disciples to go. She didn't ask for companionship. She doesn't have Martha with her. She's gone. 
She's going in private by herself. Why? Because she believed that Jesus was who he said he was, and she wanted to go take care of him. She ran to the first disciples she could find to tell them the body was missing. She ran. I love that. You know the story of the prodigal son? Any prodigal sons in here today? Right on. There we are. You're all prodigal sons. You remember what it says? When the father saw his son, he cruised on out to get him. He sent the servants out to get him. He grabbed his camel and cruised on out and brought a donkey mule to bring his son back. No, the father ran to the son. Jesus wants to run to you. All you got to do is receive him. The men went home even after believing. I loved that part. It was classic. It was classic dude. I don't know. What now? Let's go home. Should we hang out a while? Nah. Mary's chilling. She'll let us know what's going on. She already came and let us know he's gone. We're great, right? Useless. We are useless, guys. Yeah, you might be able to screw a light bulb, but in this area, sometimes we're useless. Women look for us to lead, and that's our leadership abilities. What happens now? I don't know. Let's go home. Babe, can you stay here and watch the tomb? (laughs) Mary remained on site, and her faith served her a miracle. Mary did not leave. Mary did not quit going to church on Sunday. Mary didn't just show up once. Mary had made Jesus Lord of her life. And because of her faith, a miracle was served that day. When the angels revealed themselves to her, and when Jesus revealed himself to her. Jesus instructed her to be the first to go and tell the disciples and give them the message of the good news. That's what makes her the first evangelist. If I start sweating through my shirt, just let me... It's hot. These bulbs are hot. I'm already overheating person, so it's worse. Number two, what did Jesus do this day? He fulfilled the scriptures. Jesus fulfilled the scriptures today when he conquered the grave and, uh, conquered the grave and rose from the dead. Amen? Jesus appoints the disciples to be what? I call them the second evangelists. You're like 83rd generation by now. You're like 83rd generation. 101st airborne. 101st evangelist. Let's do this. Okay? Mary was the first. The disciples were the second. And we're way down there. But some evangelist stood up in front of us and preached a message to a man who became a pastor. And that pastor might have led you to Christ at some point in your life. Jesus breathes on them the Holy Spirit. I love that. Why was Jesus able to breathe on them the Holy Spirit? Because as Thomas called him, he was God. Only God can bless you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathes on them the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he is God. He is not just their Lord and their teacher anymore. He is God. Number three, my favorite. My favorite in the house. Doubt is still a real thing. Where are my doubting Thomases? Come on. Tom. (laughs) Tommy Gunn. Pulling my leg back there. Where are my doubting Thomases? 
What does it feel like to be a doubting Thomas? Here's what it feels like. I've watched Jesus work in so-and-so's life. I've watched Jesus work in this person's life. I've watched this person change their ways. I've watched this thing happen. I remember this person who was sick and they got well. The doctor said it was bad news and everything went good. My wife started going to church seven years ago and her life changed. Everything that would be true about God is real. But unless I see it, I can't believe. Where are my doubting Thomases? Thomas wouldn't believe unless he saw Jesus. Is that what Jesus has to do for you? Because you won't be blessed. Because you know what Paul said? I mean James. I mean Peter. Oh, no, no, Jesus. Jesus himself said, blessed are those who believe in me without seeing. So if you need to see him, count your blessings gone. You got to have faith, not doubt. Be filled with faith and not doubt. Jesus did what? This is what Jesus will do to you. Jesus appeared to confront and remove his doubt. Do you think the presence of Jesus standing up in your face with a hole in his hand and a hole in his side is going to make you smile? You're going to fall on the ground like every time the angel of the Lord's ever come to this earth, and you're going to be trembling and terrified and think you're about to die. It's literally like staring down the barrel of a gun. Tell me I'm wrong. Put yourself in those shoes. Empathy. Look it up in the dictionary. Jesus made a promise to bless all of us who believe by faith and not by sight. That is you. That is why you are here today. You are here today because you have a faith. Faith is, the, is, faith is believing and hoping for the things unseen. That is why you are here today. Jesus has not shown up in front of you and shown you the hole in his hands. You are here believing anyways. Jesus made a promise to bless you. Jesus made the promise. Not another scripture that talks about it. Jesus. Number four, and we'll go home after this. The four gospels were written for a purpose. What is that purpose, Chris? Well, I learned this, 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 and this in Sunday school. And I think the four gospels were written for this. And I think the four gospels mean this. And I was told once by somebody that said that the four gospels were this. Well, let me tell you what it actually says right here in the Word of God. It said right here at the very end of John chapter 1, but these are written, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. And so that you don't sin and can go to heaven. I don't have that up there. Oh, uh, no, the third, the third one. Oh, no. We don't have a slide that says that. We don't have a slide that says there's something you're going to do to get your way into heaven. Darn it. These gospels were written about Jesus for the purpose so that you can continue to believe without seeing. You know that if you got in trouble today, 
and there was, you commit a crime. We are accused of a crime. Remember, we're, guilt, we're innocent until proven guilty in the United States, although it's not true, but we know that is, right? We, you're innocent until proven guilty, but we're going to treat you like a criminal because you're going to remain in jail until we try your case. Now, now, if one person comes into court and says you did what you did, 12 people of your peers are going to do what? Okay. What are the chances of increasing you getting a guilty verdict if you had two witnesses telling a story? How about three? How about four? Four gospels and you still don't believe. Crazy. Crazy world we live in. Four testimonies for Jesus. Two firsthand, two secondhand. Four gospels. Four stories. Four testimonies. And why do the stories sound different? Because that's the way they all sound in court too. There's the version Tom heard. There's what Bill remembers. There's what I remember. And there's what Alan remembers. And all four of our stories are going to sound the same but different. Right? That's exactly what the four Gospels look like. Yet we doubt. Okay, uh, the band is going to play another song, but before they do, let's dim the lights. I want all eyes closed. All eyes closed in the house, including the worship team. Come on, girls. Including the worship team. The only one looking around is me and Dominic. Okay? All eyes, all other eyes are closed. I don't know what I don't know what's going on in your life unless you come up and grab me after church and tell me about what's going on. And I enjoy those conversations, I really do. I don't know where you're at in your life, and I don't know, I don't know who the Lord of your life is. Usually the things that we do in our life show us, show me who the Lord of your life is. But if today you're questioning who the Lord of your life is, if you have to ask yourself, which one am I? Am I Mary Magdalene? Am I one of the ten disciples? Am I one of the nine or am I Thomas? Which one are you? If you have to question yourself as a doubting Thomas, or you have to wonder if Jesus is not Lord of your life, if you wonder that today and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, the Bible says that if you confess your mouth with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead today in history, you will be saved. So if that person is you and you need to make Jesus Lord of your life or you need to make Jesus Lord of your life again, you need to make a public confession that that's what you want to do. If that is you, all eyes are closed, all heads are down, no one's looking around, no one's embarrassing anybody and making anybody feel uncomfortable. If that is you, raise your hand. Praise God. Put your hands down. Praise God. Let me tell you what that says one more time. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
If you raised your hand today and you're telling yourself that you want Jesus to be Lord of your life and that you believe that he was raised from the dead on the third day, what we are here celebrating today, if you believe that and if you say that in your heart, I want you to know that today, if it was your day, you would be with him in paradise. I want you to know that Jesus loves you no matter what. I want you to know that you have put yourself back in his hands, in his sheepfold. And when he calls your name, you're going to hear him. Father, I thank you today for this church. I thank you today for the people that came out, Lord. I thank you for everything that you're doing in their lives. I thank you for everyone who serves in this place of worship, Lord. I thank you for everyone that you've brought to this house, Lord God. I thank you for what you keep doing in our church, Lord. I thank you for the salvations that I saw today, Lord. I thank you for those hands that went up that said, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe, Lord, that you were raised on the third day. I don't want to doubt anymore. I don't want to be Lord of my life because it leads me nowhere. Lord, we thank you for that. I thank you, Lord. Lord, I'm so fired up. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you. Oh, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for what you did. We thank you that you rose and conquered the grave for us. We thank you in your name. Amen.